This is Nate Cobain, and welcome to the Three Count Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another great edition of the Three Count Podcast presents Now Entering, and I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. That's right, and by now, I would hope that you're finally saying what I'm hoping you're saying. I am your Sherpa, but like every good Sherpa, you gotta have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficiently than you can, and that's why it's never about me. It's about who's entering. So, who's entering today? Well, he comes to us from the American Man Expo, PWK, Legacy Pro, Metro Pro Wrestling, and he's even been found roughing at American Lucha Wrestling. He is one half of Twist and Flip. He is Nate Cobain. How's it going? Yo, man. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Hell yeah. So, listen, for those who don't know who you are, let the people know, who is Nate Cobain? Uh, I would say a combination between a mat-based wrestler and a striker. Don't really do too many flashy uh, springboards or none of that. <laughs> Yo. Ground and pound. That's what needs to be happening. Right. <laughs> Listen, some of the best fighters in the world, that's what they're known for is just ground and pound. <laughs> right. So I'm kind of curious, man. Like, how did you get into the sport? So one day I was at a show with my dad. and went, We went with some other family, but it was um, it's a show called EHF. They usually run in Elkhart. And um, I just graduated high school, and I was starting to get – real antsy because I've always wanted to be a wrestler and I seen I've seen um I've seen him previously but at, at this EHF show I seen a guy named Isaiah Moore and um I seen him and I was like man like if I ever become a wrestler I want to at least have a match with that guy like he's I can tell he's standing out from everybody else it makes me want to be a wrestler myself so I uh Went home that night after the show, and I sent him a message, introduced myself, and um, I let him know, hey, like, where where is somewhere that you would recommend to get trained? Because I'm looking to get trained. I've been wanting to be a wrestler my whole life, really. And um, he responded right away and was like, yeah, we train in Coloma, which is where GLWA runs, the uh, promotion I work for. And uh, he said they the ring the ring stays at there because it's a um, it's a gym, so they use the ring and it stays there and never got to tear down or anything like that. So that's where they went and trained. So one day he let me go with him, and uh, ever since then, just been staying with it. Nice, and it is kind of funny because like hearing everybody's like journeys like through through like this crazy world that we live in in the wrestling world and it's always unique to see like how people get involved but it's always seems like to be about the same where like a family member is the reason why you get involved or you just find yourself in this crazy world like for you obviously you and your dad were kind of just sitting there watching and you just knew like this is something you wanted to do it's just it's amazing to see like people just kind of like fall in love with pro wrestling before they ever get into the business right yeah that's how it was for me Ever since, ever since I can remember, I was always watching wrestling, whether it was WWE or Impact. Okay, okay. So, who were those names like from Impact that you were very like you're watching? When I was watching Impact, it was um, 
Number one's got to be Jeff Hardy. I was watching the heel Jeff Hardy stuff, and it it was crazy to me. Cause I've never seen Jeff Hardy like that. <laughs> that yes. Just, that just added, like, a different level of appreciation for wrestling for me. And that wasn't so much like they were having five-star matches. I don't know. It was just something about the character that he was portraying on TV that just drew me in. Okay. Right on, right on. So, listen, man, I know, like, you've been in for a little bit, so I'm just kind of curious. What's the worst bump you've taken? Mm. Oh, man. To be honest with you, uh, I was at a show this past weekend, and we were trying out this tag finish from, like, another team. They were, they were, uh, we were putting them over, me and Devin were, and, um, yeah, so we grabbed Devin Fireman's carry, and I was sitting on the, the top turnbuckle. This is before the show, so nothing's live, but we're going to run it through it anyways. We want to try this big spot finish the match so we decided to go for it at least once so he has Devin fireman's carry he uses Devin's shoulder to like shoulder block me so boom and all of a sudden I'm on top now so it's like flip flop fireman's carry and he goes for like a TKO deal kind of like a like a spin out flapjack onto Devin so I would pretty much be doing a style splash on him yeah I don't know what happened. I was just trying not to kill Devin, and I landed on my left knee. And I later found out that it was a pinched nerve in my hip. So I was like, I was like limping around all day. And when we were calling the match, I was like, yeah, I don't think I'll be able to do much. So luckily for me, the guys were cool, and uh, Devin took every bump of the match. He took the heat and he took the finish. I just got to do the hot tag, and I pretty much tagged back out. But yeah, <laughs> it was bad. I, I just went to the chiropractor today snapped it back in or whatever was going on i don't know I'm probably gonna go later this week but yeah it was did not feel good oh no i can imagine that like you know not being able to like work and run right like, in in the match like that definitely yeah especially when you know like you sh- <laughs> i don't want to sound like that guy but when you when you know like you're just dry running it and you're probably like i don't really want to dry run this we should just try to do it live and just see how it feels but then you you dry run it and then you get hurt and you're like Nobody was yeah. even here to see this. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was a weird finish, and I was hoping we weren't going to use it, and luckily they changed the finish to where it was Devin taking the move, and I was happy with that. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious, man. Uh, I say that a lot, and now I'm, I'm thinking about it out loud. Oh, what's, like, one of the hardest hits you've taken? Uh, so my first match was at GLWA. And it was a triple threat between me, Isaiah Moore, and Jaden Quick. And since it was my first match, Isaiah thought it would be a good idea to introduce me to uh, to really hard chops right away, first match. So Isaiah was... Uh, just going crazy with the chops. I think he hit me with three, like three of the hardest chops I've ever felt in my life. And that, oof, yeah, it was. I took him and kept going, but it definitely threw me off. I was like, oh my god, we never chop each other that hard in class. It is definitely like a wake up call to how physical wrestling can be sometimes. Yeah, I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. It's just like the 
the physicality of something because you know a lot of people will be like in the crowd they're just like it's not real or it's you oh, know, yeah. just worked in the back or this this that and the other and you're like yep yeah, but you've never actually felt this like it yep. it sucks <laughs> right. getting chopped is not fun no, no any no. part <laughs> that's why when you hear people talking about they were in wrestling school doing chop class i kind of just turn my head and act like i didn't hear a chop class it's it is what it is you're getting slapped in the chest really hard by somebody so yeah it is weird because it's like it, it to call that like a class like really it's just it's it is what it is it's yeah, nothing to learn you're just getting used to it i guess yeah because that's what they essentially that's what they want to try to do is get you used to like right. taking jobs like but man no matter like who you get hit from whether it's like a local indie talent or you getting hit by walter like mm-hmm. getting chopped sucks in general. <laughs> so listen, man, like I'm kinda I need to I need to know, right? So after a match, after uh like after a show or something, you gotta have like that post match snack, post match meal. I'm kinda curious, what's yours? Um It's either gonna be Chipotle, I'll get a taco bowl. Or I'll go to McDonald's and get a, a a pineapple smoothie. That both those don't even sound like bad choices. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't so, even know McDonald's had pineapple smoothies. Like now, <laughs> I'm kind right? of curious about this. <laughs> it's something else. It just is- it resets me back and kind of lets me chill out. No, that's cool. Like, do you have a pre-snack ritual that you have? Uh, I honestly can't really eat before matches. I'll throw mm-hmm. up. I'm one of those guys that's, like, pacing back and forth all day, like, nervous. Like, not nervous, but more so anticipating the match to where, like, I can't eat anything. It'll just it, – they'll throw me off. It has to be, like, an hour or two before the show. Oh, but yeah. I had a, for my match. I was like, I recently just had a bunch of uh, – I had a bunch of people make fun of me because, like, thirty minutes before my before the show started, yeah. I was uh, I was snacking on gummy bears, and everybody's like, "Why are you eating gummy bears before the show?" I was like, first of all, it's my good luck charm. All right, it <laughs> calms me down." I was like, and secondly, uh, what's the day of your business? <laughs> am I gonna am I gonna throw up? I'm gonna be all right. <laughs> yeah, that's my only reason. Like, maybe like like you said, maybe I'll have some gummy bears before a match or something like that. Get that little sugar boost in me. But besides that, I can't. I can't eat like a meal or anything. Nah, I had a, I had a full transparency, and the person that's probably listening to this will know exactly who they're talking about. Uh, I had I had a friend uh, just eat a whole bunch of McDonald's before the match started, and yeah. when the match started, well, it was like it was. I won't say before the match, but like before the show actually got up and got started. And uh, yeah, he threw up in a ring. Yeah, <laughs> like. <laughs> They did a whole spot around the vomit. <laughs> like, it was disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that a few times before, sadly. <laughs> so, being that you've been in, like I said, for a, a little bit, kind of curious, I need to know, um, what's, like, one of the hardest lessons you've had to learn? Mm. Slow down. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> either it's either got to be slow. I mean, I guess it plays into 
into psychology in a whole, but slowdowns got to be the hardest part about it, I think. It is definitely one of those things that, like, I've had to learn myself, like, and I and I keep practicing on it and keep telling myself because everybody can tell you, like, all day, right, slow down. And if you think you're working slow, work slower, right? right. And it's to the point where it's, like, you know that and, like, you tell yourself, like, slow down, like, sell, like, do this, right? But when you're in the moment, like, you're just, like, your your brain is going a million miles an hour and you're, like, you're just trying to pull yourself back and remember, like, keep calm, slow right. down. <laughs> like, but you can only say it so much before you're just like, I got to go. <laughs> yeah, I like that, though. What kind of advice would you give to up-and-coming wrestlers? Um, I would say work on the little things. Like, I'm I'm still learning the little things myself because obviously that's why the little things are the uh, small details that people might miss, like footwork. Um, I, I mean, some things are just hard to explain exactly what they are, like ring positioning, stuff like that, I guess. If I were to have to name some, I'd say it's definitely definitely the little things like Anybody could go out there and do uh, moonsaults and Canadian destroyers and dives and stuff. But, like, when there's 50 people doing that and only one person has the correct footwork and does, say, a headlock takeover the right way, I feel like that's going to stand out more than those crazy moves to somebody that's really watching for uh, for somebody, like, to sign a contract or something like that. Yeah, and and it's it's something that it, it is the small details that you really should be working on. I I constantly be get told that, and I'm constantly like writing it down, and just make sure like I know. And it's not all the time. I shouldn't be like I'm being told all the time to work on the smaller details, but it is something that you start picking up when people like tell you right. So like yeah. listen listen for the crowd right, and if you feel the crowd starting to erupt a little bit, then obviously you're on the right path. And if they're not, you got to change things up. Like, and I think about that a lot, where it's like. Uh, hey, you're down now. Just breathe and sell. Make sure people are looking at your facials. Like when you're like on the second rope, on the top rope, don't hide your face. Like there's a lot of like little things that you're always trying to remember. But it also comes with time too and practice. Like the more you do it, like the more second nature it becomes. And I think I, 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 I do it a lot, which is funny in training. I tell people, I'm like, yo, like always do this. Always look up. Like show people like the pain that your face is in. Or the your face as it's in pain, and uh, you know people will relate to that. And I just think about it all the time. Where I'm just like, yeah, those are the things that you should be working on. Yeah, it's uh, you. You won't really expect it until you see the reaction that it gets when you put enough work into those little things, like small details. For one example, I would have is like somebody has you in a wrist lock. It's not very realistic to be reaching out the whole time, right? Like, if someone has your arm twisted, you're going to be trying to break their grip and stuff like that. And I feel like that is a place where the legitimacy of this sport kind of gets thrown out the window when people see stuff like that. So I feel like suspending the audience in, in disbelief is a big part in what we do because if they don't believe that what we're doing is real – 
to an, to a certain extent, then like it's hard to be um, it's hard to be it's hard to feel like um, I don't even know how to word this. I feel like it's hard to um, devote yourself to a story if you don't believe that it's something that could be really happening, you know. Right. No, and I, I understand your point. And I'm sure like people who are checking this out will as, as well. It is it is weird to like see people like get put into a wrist lock and the first thing they do is they grab their shoulder and you're like Yep, I did that for a while too. <laughs> Where they, they put me in a headlock and I just put both my hands on my hips and put my head up. Cause I was so used to like my head would always be down. I don't know why, but that was that was the way I broke the habit of my head being down. But then like, dude, why are you like like why right why you put your hands on your hips every time you get put into a headlock? I was like, I don't know. So now <laughs> always be wrapping around their waist like I'm supposed to. It took me a while to get that too. Bad, bad. So listen, you've been around. I just need a do and a don't of the locker room. Um I say definitely Definitely when you get to a show. I feel like it's important to introduce yourself to everybody because nine times out of ten, even if it's a place that you've been working, there's going to be somebody new that they're bringing in, and you don't want to be that guy to make somebody think that, A, you're either trying to be disrespectful or, B, um, it can make somebody else feel uncomfortable. Say, Say there's a new person in a locker room, and... 10 people don't say what's up to them and one person does like just that one person is going to make them feel more comfortable there. Cause I feel like the last thing you want when someone is new coming into a promotion is for them to be nervous and, uh, not, uh, be at their best when they're trying to show this promotion, what they can do to be brought back. Yeah, no, definitely. It definitely matters a lot. Like just being able to talk to people and like, you you want it like an inclusive locker room, and I would definitely think that if you're out there just kind of being disrespectful to somebody, like it's one, it doesn't look good on you, but two, it may not may not make them feel good about the promotion, and they might not want to come back. And they they might be the next, you know, AJ Styles, or they might be the next, uh, you know, Jay Lethal, they might be the next Phoenix, right? Yeah. And you've totally just blown that person off, and like they don't come back, and guess what happens to your promotion? It doesn't have this good rap, you know what I mean? Exactly, because I feel like a big part about uh, talking to people in the back is networking. There's always an opportunity somewhere. If you talk to uh, talk to everybody, there's going to be no way that you miss opportunities to get booked at maybe places that they're working at that you want to go uh, work at yourself. Well, I hear about it all the time too, and, and this is something like I've I've had beaten into my head from this podcast is that. As you're climbing the ladder up, remember all those people because as you're going down, those people yeah. are going to be coming up. And exactly. like, be be grateful and be mindful about who you decide to step on. So it's like, right. yeah, so cool. But hey, man, so we got to get into the second best segment of this podcast. People ask, what's the first? It's the Red Dogs Power Rankings that you can find every Sunday on our debate show. But this is the three count podcast, 10 count questions. And uh, Nate, this is how it works. I'm gonna fire off ten questions at you rapid fast, and uh, whatever's your answer, that's your answer. Let's do it. All right. So we're gonna put on the imaginary timer for added pressure. Bing! And here we go. 
SmackDown or Raw? SmackDown. Favorite color? Red. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Favorite movie? Spider-Man Way Home. Nice. Yeah. Sonic or Mario? Ooh, Mario. Favorite submission? Uh, Crossface. Night Owl or Early Bird? Night Owl. Favorite podcast? Uh, Broken Skull. Yes. Nominate one person that you want to see on this podcast. Um, you guys already had Devin on here? Yes, we have. Okay. Uh, Isaiah Moore. Okay. And then last but not least, my favorite question to ask every single person that comes on this show. Favorite curse word? Fuck. That's right. A good <laughs> F-bomb is what everybody needs in this life. <laughs> so, listen, those are all my heavy-hitting questions, man. But the last thing I need from you is to let our viewers and our listeners know where they can find you. Uh, this weekend, I will be at it's called For You Wrestling in, I think, Garden City, Michigan on Friday. And Saturday, I will be at GLWA in Columbia, Michigan. It's and where their, can everybody their, find you on social media? Um, I think it's NKALKA on Instagram. N-K-A-L-K-A-416 on Instagram. And I don't have Twitter, so that's it. <laughs> Bet. Well, there you go. So he gave you his handles for Instagram, so go Follow the man, give him his like, give him support, right? And uh, you know what this means. Like like every good wrestling match, you got to take this home. Because this is the Three Count Podcast presents Now Entering Ring. And I am your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. That's right. And as your very awesome Sherpa, you got to have a Sherpa who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficiently than you can. That's why it's never about me. It's about who's entering the ring. And you see him right next to me. Right there, he is the man, the myth, the future legend, Nate Cobain. And you guys know what to do. Tune in to the next episode and be there, or you just wait for this episode to end. You wait for that outro, and then you choose another episode to listen to. Peace. What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod, give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to youtube.com, give us a subscribe, turn the bell on, turn on notifications, leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also, one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. At prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So. Show us some support, please.